My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 239 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. If you're an OG member, I have got nothing but love for you, as you know. And if you're a newbie, audio episodes like this got every single Monday, I also have love for you. (laughs) I just need to catch you up to how things run here. And we also have a brilliant video series there's three seasons out plus a new season of a new show out this is all on our youtube channel there's a link to that in the show notes make sure you officially join the family just sign up on legallycluelessafrica.com i feel like i'm forgetting one thing yes (laughs) find us on the cozy corner of the internet that's legally clueless africa on instagram there's links to all of those things in the show notes Super excited for this episode because I thoroughly enjoyed recording this particular storyteller. His name is Nelson, done such extraordinary things. And yeah, part one of his story is going to come up a little later in the episode. Listen to this. When I got that first paycheck, I didn't have a bank account. So the accountant is like, since you don't have a bank account, we'll pay you in cash this time. But make sure you open a bank account so that next time we, and bring the details so that next time we can pay you through the account. I'm like, cool. So then he starts counting. I'm seeing him counting past 10, 20. I'm like, wait a minute, this, these guys are trying to test me. Now they'll not catch me. <laughs> so he counted until 35. So I started putting it in my pockets and stuff. And then I left for home early that day. I decided I'm not going to take a matatu. I'll be robbed. <laughs> I'm going to walk it. So I would walk from Wilson Airport to South Bay. So everyone who was walking towards me, not the way you're passing each other on the street, I thought that this guy knows I have something in my pocket. So I would cross the road, you know, as in I was so... <laughs> yes, I didn't sleep. I was counting the whole night. Wake up at midnight, you're like, it's still there. <laughs> you know what's really hectic about just recording Nelson, which is so crazy? Do you remember, well, if you're an OG member, you know this, a couple of episodes ago, I think sometime last year. Is it last year? What month? Yeah, it's last year. <laughs> my mind is so jumbled up. Sometime last year, unfortunately, I lost my Uncle Peter. And I did an episode called the Uncle Peter episode. What's crazy about being in studio with Nelson recording his story is that he tells stories exactly like my uncle did. He laughs exactly like my uncle did. And even like his mannerisms. So it was like a mind trip for like a bit. Because I was just like, what? This is, this is so hectic. This is so hectic. But anyway, (laughs) away from that. That's coming up a little later. The song of the week. Do I have a song of the week this week for you, man? I feel like I've just been blessed. Listening to the same songs over and over again. So just like, give me time. (laughs) Give me time. I'll share music with you soon, but maybe I can share shows and movies that I have been watching. Maybe that's a nice makeup for that. So I have watched this film called Reptile three times already. (laughs) Imagine, three times already. The first time I fell asleep at a point and then when I woke up, it was still so interesting. So I knew I had to rewatch it so that everything makes sense. Second time I watched it start to finish. Third time, I watched it start to finish, but at a point it was like playing in the background. 
And I realized I really love the lead actor. I'm not sure of his name because I'm not a film person. <laughs> but I love, 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 love. You know, someone told me his name, but I forgot his name. But anyway, I love him. The main character. He's really good. The person who is weird as fuck in the movie is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'm convinced that this guy needs to be acting. Like there's a particular scene where I'm just like, okay, Justin, please turn it down. You're not convincing at all. But that's just my take. But overall, I really like the movie. I'm also watching... Oh, let me finish with movies first. I also watched No One Will Save You. And the poet in me was just like so inspired. There is not very little maybe like two points or one point where there's actual dialogue in this movie but it's so good and it's so interesting to watch like the lead actress like just use her body language to convey what she's feeling like you can tell when she's anxious you can very clearly tell when she's petrified when she's nervous about something when she's happy when she's a bit delusional it's it's so good. I liked, I liked No One Will Save You. And in case you're like, oh, but it's a horror. Is it going to be scary? It's not. I don't think. Mm. <laughs> Maybe don't watch it in the night. Maybe don't watch it in the night. But it's not. I've seen scarier. Even more than the scary bits, blah, blah, blah. If you just pay attention to like the art. Oh, You'll love that because there are some frames they have or like some scenes. I don't know the lingo, man, where you're just like, wow, how did they capture that? Or that looks so interesting. It's a nice movie. I think watch that one. The show I am currently watching is Everything Now. Oof, I love it. I found out about it because one of my favorite artists, Lauren Vula, posted about it. So she did the scoring, the music for it. Ah, I like it. I like that series, Everything Now. It's brand new. Is it on Netflix? Yes. Huh? It, yes, I think it's on Netflix. You should check it. <laughs> should definitely check it out. I'm asking because I'm like using my Streamio account. I don't know if I'm meant to be saying this loudly because it's like, it's illegal. <laughs> it's illegal, but you know, Netflix doesn't have all the shows and all the movies. <laughs> Say so how to find a way to make it work. Anyway, I think that should make up for Song of the Week. I'm giving you two films and one series. Anyway, how am I after last week's episode? I was very emotional in last week's episode, which is okay. I am much better. I've been resting a lot more, taking things a bit slow, even work. I love that I now have somebody working very closely with me and my team who I trust and who can make sure work keeps moving even as I like breathe. So that's really great. I'm also, I have to say, I just had a conversation, like a two hour conversation just now. And one of the things we talked about was on friendship. Hmm. I've got so many thoughts, so many thoughts. I... I also have to call myself out. I think I was very performative in friendships before. I thought if we have the lunches and if we, you know, hang out, if it's cocktails, that's okay. If we don't talk for months, that's also okay. If I don't open up or ask for help when it comes to the things I'm struggling with, that's all right. I can handle it myself. I'm good. 
I think I also participated in like the performative aspect of friendship that's not real, you know? I think also in other spaces where I thought I was really close friends with people, when I reevaluate those relationships, I find most of the time what we were doing is gossiping. And I can't tell you how gossiping now completely repulses me. I don't care who's dating who. I don't care who's done what and not done the other. I really just don't care. The few times I've found myself participating in it, like even recently, like when I slip up and I do participate, my heart feels so heavy afterwards that I'm like, yuck, I don't want to do that anymore. And so when I'm doing this audit of like in this moment I'm experiencing like real friendship and what that looks like I'm also understanding that what I thought were friendship spaces in the past we didn't know each other because we spent so much time gossiping and I'm just I don't want that I don't want that anymore you know and I'm really beginning to understand you know those quotes they say like the older you get you start to lose friends and you have fewer friends and it's okay because you don't need to have many friends. I'm starting to understand just how true that is. I feel like I'm rolling with like two, <laughs> two friends, <laughs> which is crazy, which is crazy if I think about where I've come from, completely surrounded by people. But like I watched this this video where this woman was talking about how you should endeavor to have friends who are not only with you in the sunshine, but will sit with you, she said, will sit with you through the caves of life. So those dark moments when life is like pounding hard on you, those friends who will sit with you in that cave. And when you think about that, there's no crowd it's almost impossible for you to be surrounded by 10 people who are going to do that for you, you know, because even just like the practicalities of time of growing those friendships to that point, <laughs> they, they won't be many. They won't be many. I'm really understanding that now. And so I wanted to share that with you so you can also do an audit of your friends, an audit of yourself as well. Like, how are you showing up in your friendships? Like, are you being performative as well? Even like an audit of like the things you engage in with your friends. Is it like the gossip? Man, the gossip. Like even when I was doing this audit, I went as far as being like, because I was like, this is a mind fuck. I thought I was really close with particular people who I thought were friends. I thought I was really close. Like what the hell? I thought like, I thought I was close, right? So I even went back when I'm doing this audit, went back to like, what were we talking about on chat and when I looked I still remember seeing the media you know like how you can when you chat with someone you can see the media most of it was screenshots and it was like we were sharing gossip <laughs> we were talking so much about other people's lives that we were not talking about our lives to each other so there was no friendship there because we didn't know each other to begin with you know so just like have that honest take with yourself. And it's fucking scary. I have to tell you, it's so scary. Because like right now, I think one of the things that scares me is like loneliness. Being alone with yourself. Solitude can be fantastic and it's wonderful for healing, etc. 
But sometimes it can be heavy. It can be heavy and it can be scary, you know, and it can be like daunting, (laughs) you know. And I think sometimes when you sense that you quickly rush back to the spaces that you can at least just be performative in, you know, it's not real, but at least it's not loneliness, right? So there's an element of solitude that's very lonely, but I think at the back of my head, I understand I have to swim through it and get to the other side and I have to have to believe like really believe like there's this tiny light on the other side I've got to swim to it I've got to swim to it that's kind of like where I'm at right now what I'm thankful for is experiencing like real friendship like a friendship that will sit with you through the caves of life yeah, sit with that and really think about it. That that was something that came to me this week and I wanted to share it with you. So let's jump into the story, shall we, shall we? It's part one of Nelson's story. And I got to, I, I knew of Nelson when I was on radio. I was on Kiss FM and um, there were these wonderful concerts Jameson was putting together and I was just like "Ooh, this is fresh this is fresh and then I think either I was at a gig and then or somebody told me about like oh yeah that guy over there he's the ambassador so I knew of Nelson but we'd never had a conversation and this was way back in the day and then I get to interact with the Visa Everywhere Initiative which if you didn't listen to the episode that's meant to make you better with money I suggest you do, but the Visa Everywhere initiative comes in for you who started a startup. You think it's definitely going to change the world, which I believe it will. But there's always the stumbling block that's funds, isn't it? Funds or even just visibility. Like how does the world get to know about this dope thing you've created? So that's where the Visa Everywhere initiative comes in. It helps startups like yours unlock new opportunities. It can give you a global platform. And it was first launched in the States in 2015, but now it's global. Nearly 12,000 startups have applied to the program so far. Back to Nelson, he has this fantastic startup that was part of the Visa Everywhere Initiative's vibrant competition. So it's a competition that's like a global stage. You get to pitch your solutions to a panel of experts. You win prizes, you win funds, you get wider attention in the sector. Nelson's startup, that's not a startup anymore, was one of the winners, right? So this was in July and really repping for Kenya because I think Kenya in total, we had three winners. Dovu, so you met virtually. (laughs) Radhika. In an episode ago or so, there's Dovu, there's Ledger, and then there's Nelson's company that's called iFluence. So think of AI and the word influence when you put them together, iFluence. And they won the overall prize of 20,000 US dollars. Yeah, it's absolutely hectic. First and foremost, if you want to learn more about the Visa Everywhere initiative, just go to www.visa.co.ke forward slash visa hyphen everywhere. Don't worry, that link is in the show notes. So make sure you check it out in case you or somebody that you know could benefit if they are starting a startup or running a startup and you think this is something that could help them, share it with them. Yeah. Second thing is, 
I want you to to meet Nelson. He's quite the storyteller. Like at the end of the recording, I was just like, do you know you could actually go into media? Like, do you know that you could start your own show because you have stories for days? So this is part one of his story. I hope you enjoy it. We'll meet back once once you've heard it. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So my name is Nelson Aseka and I'm from Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya. First born in a family of five, born in Nairobi, we, can I say migrated to Eldoret? <laughs> we moved to Eldoret in, uh, when I was nine years old. Uh, so spent the rest of my time in Eldoret in terms of school for primary, came back to Nairobi for high school and then college, and then I just sort of stuck here. <laughs> I think if I look at my childhood and just summing it up, I'm an out-of-box kind of guy, as in I used to like doing new things which had not been done before, you know, trading new parts which had never been traded before, and just getting to do discovery, basically, yeah. So I think that has really grown into me into the later years, into even my entrepreneurship life, because I think I can trace that from that beginning. So I think uh, in primary school, I was uh, an athlete, not athlete, but a gymnast, actually. <laughs> so just something I started doing and I loved and, you know, uh, it faded at some point. I got into arts and I used to love drawing. I, could, I remember there's a competition I got into. My drawing was the best. I was taken to Geneva, into a museum somewhere, you know. You know, so I was doing every bit of things here and there. Uh, in high school, I got interested in piano. Didn't, never did music as a subject, but I, I became the school pianist just by practicing on my own, you know. <laughs> when I get interested in something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So I became a school pianist. I was even better than the music teacher without having ever done any lessons. You know, thinking about it, the reason why I really learned piano is that in high school, I think I, I loved going out and stuff, you know, just being where the action is, right? And so uh, first time was known for, I think, was it drama festivals? Then second time was music festivals. Third time was very dry. <laughs> yeah, so you look for any excuse to get out of school. So you get into drama club for, you know, uh, first term. In second term, I tried getting into the music choir. I was told my, my voice was nowhere on the piano <laughs> scale. <laughs> so I was like, give me one, I'll come back. <laughs> so I started learning piano, how to play. And from there, I think it took me almost a year to get into the choir as a pianist and eventually as a school pianist. Going back a little bit into like primary school, um, one of the things that really fascinated me the most was tech, you know, in terms of, and not really tech as it is, in terms of computers, basically, right? And at that time, not people didn't have personal computers in their houses, right? But my one of my uncles had come back from, you know, Canada, I think, for higher education and came back with a computer and used to stay in Nairobi and sometimes I would visit. So when I was visiting, I would sleep in the same room as a computer. You know, the, the guest room had the computer, right? <laughs> so I, I wouldn't sleep, basically. I would spend all night just researching it, as in just understanding what this is and stuff, how is it working, 
And it was, those are days of MS-DOS. There's no... <laughs> that was in the 80s, by the way. Okay, I'm saying my age. <laughs> so there was no internet, nothing. It was just command-driven computers, as in it's a blank screen and you type in stuff, right? So I learned from there, and within a month, I could take apart a computer and put it back together again. And I'm in primary school at that time. Imagine. <laughs> so going into high school, uh, now Windows came and things like that. No, actually, Windows hadn't come. We're still on MS-DOS. But when I was in second form, we used to stay in my university in Eldorate. My parents were working at the university. And so... Uh, that's the first time they brought computers to universities. So uh, everyone was green to it. No one knew how to use it and stuff. And so uh, I knew how to use a computer. And they got me to, uh, to to start training lecturers on how to use computers. High school form two. So every school holiday, I had classes of lecturers and teaching on how to use computers. And I get pocket money. So my parents stopped giving me pocket money because I was earning a lot from that, right? <laughs> so from there, I knew that's my career path. I want to be a coder, software engineer, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so I get out of high school and, and I didn't get enough points to make it to uni. So I went into college. So my mom looked around and really tried to get the best place for me, you know, to uh, to to do an IT course, a, a diploma as such, right? So went to Strathmore, those entrance exams were blanked properly. Hey, <laughs> 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 it's blanking. But I really am grateful for my mom because she never gave up. We went looking for another college, you know, finally ended up in School of Professional Studies. And, and I got in to do management of information systems, which was a, started off as a certificate course for six months and then into a one-year course for a one-year diploma course for, for, the, for the same thing, right? So, yeah, so that was great. I really enjoyed that, although... I was uh, one of those miscreants who never used to go to class. You know, <laughs> there was a, I remember it was opposite Parkland Snow Campus, so and there was a pool table. So us guys would go deposit our bags in the morning, get into the pool table until evening, come and collect bags, <laughs> and back home. So it it uh, so it went on like that, and uh, and the funny thing is that during exams I was passing as in I was getting distinctions all the time <laughs> so so the one classes that I would attend the you know the teachers would be like I mean a lecturer would be showing us something around coding I'm like no 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 that's that's not right that's not right let me show you this is what you need to do and stuff so they didn't like me much and I think that's why I would just go out there and do my own thing and stuff so unfortunately for the guys who were hanging out with they're like you, the, I mean, they were not very happy with me. They're like, you must be conning us. You read at night, and then in the morning you come and, you know, derail us, we go to play pool. Because it got to a time where, you know, the, the, their parents were called because they were skipping classes, they were not doing exams and stuff. So the principal is looking at me and saying, now who, why would I call your parent? And you're passing and stuff like that. Stop misleading these kids. <laughs> you go back to class, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think the way things 
are taught by, you know, and especially during that time, uh, it was very rigid, you know, like it was one way or and no other way, as in this is how you're meant to do this. This is how you get from A to B. If you're coding, you start with this line, you get to this other line and stuff. But there's no room for, you know, discovery and stuff. So it's very, uh, it's like a monologue in teaching ways and it's very rigid. And so it's it stops being exciting. I think that has changed over time. Today, uh, they've embraced, you know, kind of a collaborative approach with students to be able to bring out the best in them and stuff and even discover things along the way, which which is good. So I, I think that change needed to happen. Yeah, so I would still pop in and out, you know, as I wanted because I, I felt like everything they're trying to teach I already knew, you know. So, so just do the exams. And the good thing is that these exams weren't being marked in the UK. If it was being marked here, I think those teachers would have given me another proper E or something. You know? <laughs> so I did my coding um, project, which passed very well and stuff. So towards the last six months of college, I started to become serious. You know, like, now let me start thinking about my future and stuff. I'm about to finish this college. I, I don't want to go to uni. I'm not seeing myself spending four years, you know, <laughs> in a class. So I, I just want to get on with life. So I was very ambitious. First thing I started doing is I I took got all the those no email addresses those days. It was still post office boxes, you know. So I got all the addresses of UN organizations, uh, embassies, international organizations, and I was very particular. And I started writing letters to them for internship telling them I'm finishing in six months. I'll be available to start internship. If you have a position, I would very much love to be part of your IT department. This is my scores and stuff. So all that. And I was I remember my mom helped me in terms of, you know, structuring the letters and stuff. So yeah, so we I sent them out, posted them, and those days they used to reply, you know, those uh, <laughs> whether good or bad. <laughs> Those uh, those cuties in those days. So, I got a lot of uh, regret letters and stuff. Would like to have you, but we don't have the this uh, opportunity suitable for you and you know, things like that. And then one came back and it was positive. You know that was Amra. So I stepped out of college into a job uh, internship, right? So, and yeah, so I was put in the IT department. I was an IT specialist, so support specialist. So, you know, helping with the everyday IT, uh, whatever, troubleshooting and stuff. Actually, at that time, I think everyone, every business realized that computers needed what the way to the future. They made work easier, faster. You're able to be more organized and things. You're moving away from typewriter into a screen, you know, and things like that. So people, the, the only thing, reason why a lot of people didn't have them is the cost factor, right? So, but when I joined Amref, at least uh, that's, an, that's an NGO. It was already ahead of time. They have, everyone has computers that they're working with. And, and so that was cool. So, yeah, so at that time, I think it was, uh, yeah, it, it, everyone wanted to have a computer. It's just the cost, which was a barrier, right? Um, yeah, so I got there, started working. Within a month, I was a favorite for in the you know in the in in the organization because when people call the IT department, they say, 
I have a problem, but I need Nelson to come. Not <laughs> not anyone else. I need Nelson to come. So because I would go and sort them out in seconds, you know, because I knew, you know, computers like the back of my hand, right? So no guesswork. So I stayed in Amre for two years. I think that was in 98 to 2000. And then I was poached by K International. So some of our, one of our directors moved to be the managing director for K International Somali and Sudan. And uh, he just gave a call to HR and told them, there's a guy I need you guys to bring <laughs> for, my, for my job. So I get a call from HR from K International, like, hey, we'd like to have a chat with you. And, you know, it's with big, uh, it's about a role. I never heard of headhunting and things like that at that time. I was still a 20-year-old with <laughs> the world ahead of him. So, yeah, so I'm like, but I didn't apply. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, no, we have a referral and someone who, uh, one of our directors would really love to have you here and stuff. So I said, okay, so we made the meeting. At Amref when I joined, I was being paid 5,000 shillings, right, as, in, as an intern. But 5,000 was a lot at that time. I could get a house in South B, you know, those southern squatters and stuff. And, yeah. And then, but after one month, I got a lot of, even before my results were out, because results from UK is to take like three months after you finish the course, right? So I hadn't gotten a certificate or anything. But in a month's time, I was promoted into full employment. I'm a 21-year-old at that time, uh, 35,000, I think I'm earning double my mom's salary or something, you know? And even peers, not even peers, like people who are like finance accountants and stuff like that who are way older, 35 years old and stuff, were earning about the same amount. So uh, the first, when I got that first paycheck uh, as a full-time employee, I think I didn't I always remember this thing, I just laughed because I didn't have a bank account. So I'm being called to the cash office and I'm being told, because uh, I didn't know how much I'm going to earn. I just told sign here, full contract in here and stuff. Yeah, just continue doing my thing. So the accountant is like, uh, since you don't have a bank account, we'll pay you in cash this time, but make sure you open a bank account so next time we, uh, and bring the details so next time we can pay you through the account. So I'm like, cool. So it's then he starts counting. I'm seeing him counting past 10, 20. <clears throat> I'm like, wait a minute, these this guys are trying to test me, but they'll not catch me. <laughs> so he counted until 35. Then he gave me. Then me, I counted 25 and gave it back to him. I said, you made a mistake. I think it's 10K. So I thought the most, most I could be paid was double of what I was earning, right? So this guy, you know, he dropped off his chair laughing. He's like, this is your money. <laughs> So I started putting it in my pockets and stuff, and then uh, I left for home early that day. I decided I'm not going to take a matatu. I'll be robbed. <laughs> I'm going to walk it. So I would walk from Wilson Airport to South B, right? And those routes, but I decided to use the main route. So everyone who was walking towards me, not the way you're passing each other on the street, I thought that this guy knows I have something in my pocket. So I would cross the road, you know, as in I was so... <laughs> I'd never carried such money in my life. You know? <laughs> yes, I didn't sleep. I was counting the whole night. Wake up at midnight, you're like, eh, it's still there. <laughs> 
I'm wondering what am I going to do with my life with this man? This is too much money, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, turned around things. I bought stuff, you know. Started enjoying life a bit, getting out. And that's when I discovered hey, people go out and you know can have a good time. So at that time, I'm 21, going maybe 22, and my peers are in campus then. Because I remember I didn't go to campus. Then they're still doing their four-year stint. So the ones who are in Nairobi University, I would go in there with a cab and get them in and tell them, let's go party, you know. <laughs> it's on me. <laughs> I'm sure I terrorized a few parents with, uh, you know, the questions that were being asked. Why did you have to make us go to uh, university? <laughs> no, but yeah, so uh, they would... Uh, so we'd hang out and stuff. But now three, uh, maybe three months down the line, my 35K is to get finished in one week. You know? <laughs> I don't know where it's good. <laughs> so I'm sitting down with my colleagues, and my colleagues are older guys, 35-year-old. They have two kids in school and stuff like that, and on the same salary as me. I'm like, how do you manage, you know? <laughs> they ask them that. When I get my 35k share and giving people pocket money, <laughs> my friends in college. So when I pick you up, I give you 500 bob in case you don't see me again in the night. Yeah, so that you'll be sorted. But don't use it until you don't know, you don't see me. You know. Yeah. So here comes care. You know, K International call me for this interview and say they're interested in having me as a management of information systems officer for their South Sudan, Somali, you know, uh, office. And so if I'm interested, and I'm like, okay, sounds interesting. What what are the packs? They're like, we'll give you double what you're earning now uh, and top it up a bit to 80K. And whenever you're in South Sudan or Somali, you'll, which you will be doing quite a bit, I think I would be away for eight weeks, back for two weeks for r and would be twenty dollars per day. Yeah, so I jumped in immediately. I can't say it did better on my finances, you know. <laughs> it's just that this time I didn't have to pay rent and things like that. I just needed a place where I would come back every for two weeks, go back for, out for eight weeks, and come back like that, right? And and so my expenses were minimal. When you're in Somali Sudan, you have food, you have shelter, everything. Yeah. Of course, uh, nightlife is uh, <laughs> is not there at all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was exciting at first, but then got later. I was like, I was I started to get tired to the, of it because it was it was not exciting anymore, you know. So I was like, I, I really to start to need to start doing something else. So the excitement was in, you know, the war scenario. You know, that time it was during that deep conflict period in both places. I remember when you're in Sudan, the first thing you're done for orientation is you're shown uh, bunkers and, you know, you, you are taught how to identify certain helicopters, uh, you know. <laughs> Engine noise, you know, it's called an Antenov. That's the bomber helicopter. You're taught to have, you know, your necessary supply next to you all the time it has you know maybe a canned food and stuff just in case you need to rush and run away at fossil for any circumstance then so we're told that and then you're told 
in case you've forgotten the sound of an antenop. If you look around and you see chicken running away, please take heed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. So, yeah, so we got into many bombing uh, scenarios. So when you see an antenop or you hear the antenop coming, you run to a bunker. There's two types of bunkers. One is just digged up, a hole which is dug up uh, below the surface. Another one get into a real hole, as in a manhole down there, right? So when, a, uh, when this antenna was approaching, you just run, jump into a bunker. And the reasoning is when a bomb explodes, it does laterally and vertically. So if you're below surface, it doesn't uh, little chance of it hitting you unless it lands in that bunker itself, right? <laughs> yeah, so such things, as in, you know, that excitement, you're going to so, uh, Somali now, uh, I would always have to have bodyguards in terms of the car full of guards in front, another full of guards behind. I'm in the middle sandwich with guards besides me and stuff. Shooting incidences were just like, you know, uh, guys having a quarrel in the streets. <laughs> Go to the shelter you're staying, it's full of bullet holes. So, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it became monotonous in terms of what we were doing. It's predictable. You wake up, you go to the office, you fix IT problems, you come back home. If you need to go to the market, you have to call Nairobi Station and ask for permission or tell them that you're going at this particular time so they assign you guards and things like that. You go, come back. So it was very restricted and out of my play, really. So I think I just told these guys I'm tired, man. I just want to come back, you know. <laughs> And I decided to jump out of that to get into an independent contractor. So into entrepreneurship at that age of, I think, 25 or something, right? <laughs> and what misled me, why I'm saying misled is because when I'd come back for the two weeks, you know, for R&R, that's when people now are buying personal computers. So I found a way that I could buy parts. Different parts of computers cost me about 20K, I sell it for 60K. So I put it together and then sell it together as a, as a full computer for 60K. So I was making a lot of money, more than what I was earning, you know? So I was like, uh, why should I, should I need to work? You know, a minimum input, exactly. <laughs> so I used to have orders whenever I'm around, right? So I decided I'm going to do this full time now, as in I'm not gonna work for anyone else now, let, let me work for myself. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Listen, I laughed so much throughout this recording <laughs> because I could identify with so with so much of what he was saying, you know. So first and foremost, if you check out the show notes, you can connect with Nelson. I'll put a link to his page. I've also put a link to the Visa Everywhere initiative so you can click on it so you can learn more about it. I would love to hear your first salary <laughs> stories. <laughs> Did you also opt not to use public transport because you thought somebody was going to st <laughs> steal the money from you? I don't know why that part of his story completely cracked me up because I could literally see him crossing the road whenever someone was getting close to him. And just thinking, yo, 35,000, this person is, this this person knows it's in my pocket. But yeah, what are your first salary stories that you look back on and just laugh? Please share them with me. Like, I think 
myself and the team would really love to know. So hit us up on Instagram. You can DM us at Legally Clueless Africa. If you want to share your story on this podcast, all you have to do is fill in our storyteller form. There's a link to it in the show notes. Then hang on tight because then we'll we'll hit you up so we can record your story. You don't have to only be in Kenya, wherever you are in the world as an African. We know you have a story. It's valid. We want to hear it. If you're in Kenya, though, you can catch us on Trace FM every single Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. And on Fridays, we're there at 1 p.m. Thank you so much for listening to this episode to the very end. I'm just going to leave you with the thing I said earlier that I feel like really spoke to me this week, which is audits. Audit your friendships, you know, audit how you are even arriving in those friendships. Really ask yourself if you're being performative and really ask yourself if you have friends who, yes, will be there with you through the sunlight or through even the boring moments. But do you, do you have a friend who will sit with you in the caves of life? That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.